listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Before I jump into the message, I just want to mention, um, as we do each week around here, and uh, for, for those of us who call Foundry home and we're in on the mission of God here, giving back is an important way that we participate in the life of the church. And so uh, there are ways to do that um, online by text or by mail, or if you're here in person at the, at the exits as well. And, and, and so I'd encourage you to do that. All, I would say too, today's message kicks off a series that is kind of like a uh, family meeting in ways. It's this, you know, what we're gonna talk about is the heart of who God has called us to be as a church in this particular time, in this particular place for his purposes that are eternal. Uh, but we get to live them out in our day and in our time. And so we wanna just pause and look at how the scriptures speak to the early church and, and some of the messages to, uh, specifically um, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And so I'd encourage you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and break them out now. And um, we're gonna jump into the letter to the Thessalonians and over the next few weeks kind of journey through this. Uh, and it really speaks to what the church is and who the church is and who we are and why it matters. Uh, Rick Warren told this funny story about a lady who came to him one time and was, you know, she's like, I don't really need the church. I, I'm part of the invisible church. And, and Rick's, in, in Rick's kind of way, if you know him, he, he, he responded and said, you know, well, so great. That's wonderful. So when you're, you're at the hospital, does your invisible small group like come and check on you? And like, do you listen to the invisible pastor's sermons and God speaks through them? And do you, you know, like when your kids are in trouble, do you go to the invisible youth pastor? Like, like the, the reality is we need each other, okay? As a body, if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, there's, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, and in, in some ways in America today, I think because our culture is very in, individualistic and our world has changed and, you know, uh, it's very easy to fall into this trap of thinking um, that we, we have all we need to, to do it ourselves. Uh, and and I, you know what? What I've realized, one thing that's contributing to this is the fact that we are uh, rich with information, I mean, yes, you, you can um, listen to sermons anytime you want, and you can read the Bible in all sorts of translations and in every language and Bible studies on everything you can imagine. We have more information and more access to good resources, which is a great thing. But I think sometimes what it can lead us to, to forget is how important it is for us to all be connected together in a body that is doing work in, in the local community too, like together, okay? And, and so together matters 
Being, being together and coming together as a part of a faith community matters. We are not, and we're not a social club. We are on a mission that Jesus commissioned us on. To, when he rescued us from sin and death, he, he rescued us for this mission. And so, again, this is going to be a little bit of, of, of family talk, but, but I thought, you know, like if this is your first Sunday with us, um, I hope, I think that'd be a great time to come, right? Because you're going to get the heart of who, who we are and who we see, how we see God working in our midst and what's really important to us. And, and the first thing I'll do is, I say this, Tony Campolo said this actually, the church exists for the benefit of its non-members, and so if you're new with us, we're here. The mission is you. The mission is our community. The mission is those who are far from God. And that's, that's at the heart of everything that we do. And there have been all of these, these um, metaphors and different things through Scripture to describe the church. But probably the most consistent is family. The, 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 the family, and I realize like earthly family, you layer that on top, it gets a little complicated. We all have dysfunctional families and all of this. But listen, the family is the place where you're known, where you have a role and a responsibility. It's where you're nurtured. It's where, you're gro where you grow. And I realize not all, all, all families provide that, but the family of God is intended to provide those things for us. And for us to be a part, listen, a part of providing that kind of ministry to a world that's in need of Jesus. And so this is what Paul, uh, in, in, uh, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians as we think about these things. Paul and his ministry partners, a little side note, anytime you're reading one of Paul's letters, it's always good to go back and see if you can find, because a lot of times you can find the story of that particular church, which makes a difference, in the book of Acts, Okay, so when you know how the church started and what happened there, it gives you a little indication. And again, we have lots of resources for this, but the background is found in Acts 16 for Thessalonians. Uh, Acts 16 and following. Paul and his ministry partners were first in Philippi. That's what we read about in 16. In Acts 16, it talks about them in Philippi. They had gotten in a tough spot. They, they were beaten um, and thrown into prison uh, because they had been uh, preaching the, the, the good news. Here, here's the thing. Sometimes we struggle to understand a world like that. But, but when the Christians claimed Jesus as king, it was a direct threat to Caesar. And so this is a challenge to the throne of Caesar. And so they're, they're thrown in jail. They're facing this, this incredible adversity. Um, and, and God does a miracle right there in the jail. He, he, he frees them from the jail, uh, and, and the, the jailer and his whole family come to Christ, <laughs> and, the, and the good news, it just seems like can't be contained of who Jesus is and what he has done, and, and so Paul uh, and his friends get out of jail in Philippi, and they go to Thessalonica, okay? So think, they, they just left they might have been fugitives. There's some, dis there's some discrepancy about what actually happened when you got, I think this is fascinating. Like if you're convicted and you're in jail in the ancient world, some suggest that you're there until you're released one way or the other. <laughs> 
And so it doesn't seem like anybody's coming, like my point is it doesn't seem like anybody's coming for Paul and saying, no, you got out of jail, uh, you broke out of jail, we're putting you back in jail. Maybe they were fugitives, maybe they weren't, but they go to Thessalonica and they're clearly not afraid to preach because they don't hide out and they don't lick their wounds and they don't retreat, but they immediately begin preaching in Thessalonica. What does that tell you about you know, what their focus is? After being beaten and stripped and, 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 um, and, and, and thrown into prison and then rescued, they go to Thessalonica and they're preaching the good news for like three weeks and another revival has broken loose, okay? And the church in Thessalonica uh, is, is now a, you gotta remember, these are all new churches and new bodies of new believers. And, and they're learning what it is to follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon them. And, and so again, the authorities like catch wind of this and, and so Paul and his friends have to run away again. They go now to Berea. And, and so like if, as you can imagine, when Paul leaves one of these places, he was a serial church planter and he would plant these churches and then he would go somewhere else and word would come back to him about how the Christians in that last place that he was we're doing. And Paul and Timothy and Silas get this report that the Christians in Thessalonica are thriving. They're doing amazing things. And they were only there for a short time. So it is truly miraculous. And so they write back to this church that they've been hearing all these wonderful things about their faith and their endurance and their perseverance. And he begins in 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Now, now I'll admit, most of us when we read uh, the beginning of a letter like that, in, even in scripture, it's very easy just to kind of blast, I'm gonna get to the meat, right? But this address has a lot for us, if we'll pay attention. First, um, the word that Paul uses for the church is ekklesia. It's a Greek word um, that means something very different than what most people today think about when they think about the church. Okay, to the church in Thessalonica or of the Thessalonians doesn't mean that he's not writing to, a, uh, to an institution. He's not writing to this big organization. He's not writing to any of those things that we think of. He's not writing to a group like us. He's writing to a handful of people who had grown and were reaching others. And ecclesia literally means this. It means assembly, number one. So it's people that have gathered together. It means set apart so it means that they've been gathered together for a particular purpose, okay? And, and so he says, to the ecclesia, uh, this is the, the gathering together, not of a club, not of a denomination, not about a structure, not about a building. It is a people who have been gathered for a purpose, friends, and their purpose is, is starting to change their community and their world. This is us. We are the gathered ones, the called out ones who are gathered together for a purpose. And it's not our own, it's not just our own uh, life getting better. It's a greater purpose than ourselves. So he goes on, ecclesia, the gathered, assembled, set apart ones of the Thessalonians. 
This implies that they had a specific mission field. They are a particular church in a particular place. Friends, we are a particular church in a particular place and there are people in our community who need the gospel of Jesus, who need the healing that comes through Jesus. The ecclesia of the Thessalonians in Christ. In Christ, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is what he says. You see, we don't just gather together because it makes us feel good. We don't just gather together so that we get empowered. We don't just, we're not a country club. They're not, it's not about the benefits that you get by becoming a member of the gathering. The gathering is for the world. And when we commit to that, we are committing to this mission. And this mission, listen, let me be clear. The mission will transform your life. The mission will bring purpose and meaning to your life. There's nothing, if, if, what, if all of this that we believe is true, then, then there is nothing greater that we could live for. We are the church, friends, for this time and this place, just as the Thessalonians were. Grace and peace, Paul says. This phrase uh, denotes that there was a bond, that this is not just, there's this attachment, there's this affection, he knows them, he loves them, and he wants them to remember their identity. That's what I want to do for the next couple weeks. I want you to know that I love this place. Actually, that's not the way I should say it. I love this people. I love this assembly. I love this ecclesia. I love our community. I love what God is doing here. I love what, what we get to do together. I love what God has assembled this group for, and I love what I sense his spirit doing in this particular season, in this particular place. I love when, when, when I think about all of the possibilities that this place holds, that this community holds, that this gathering holds, that this assembly holds for, uh, for leading people to know, follow, and share Jesus, not just in our community, but around the globe. Um, I was thinking about, you know, I've been at Foundry for 15 and a half years now, and um, I, I haven't changed a bit in 15 and a half years. I was looking at pictures. I look exactly, you know, like you get to that point where you start to think like, wow, where did time go, right? How did things change? But there are so many things that way back in when I came to Foundry 15 and a half years ago, we were just launching a, a new campus in the movie theater and people would show up. Some of you were there and part of that and you would show up at 6 a.m. Um, and you would, we would sweat together and we would set things up and then we'd tear things down and it'd all go back in a trailer and we'd do it again next week. And you know, in, in many ways, like, I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore, amen, like some of you, like, uh, but, but also I think that there was something special in those days because we were focused on, uh, like, we, we were willing to do, but I think that's, we were willing to do whatever it took to reach our community, and I think that's still the heart of what I love about this community is that you're a people who are real, who are just yourselves, you're not pretentious, you're not trying to be showy um, and flashy or show off or you know, make it look like you're super spiritual or super righteous, but I know a lot of your stories and when I get to know your stories, I know that there's this deep faith, there's, there's this place that God has encountered you in deep need and, and some of us are still wrestling through how to make sense of all that, but, but 
I love, I love our fellowship. I love the relationships, and I don't take that for granted. Um, I, 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 do, I, I do think sometimes as a, as a uh, this is what Paul says. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, love, and hope. There are parts of what I do as a pastor I don't really enjoy, I'll just be honest, right? There are days that are not perfect, but at the end of the day, I know that God has called me to lead a group of people, to be a people of these things. These are core, the core of the gospel, that, that what if our community knew us as a people of, of, of faith, of love, and of hope, and sharing that with the world? Um, I, you know, but there are, t- there are times where, like, I, I'll just be honest, this moment of transparency, there are some times when I, when I like, like, have those, you have those days too, okay, right? It's like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what difference? Do you ever feel like, like, does anything I do make a difference? Right? Okay, parents. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Right? Like you pour your heart and soul into something and you, you want to see immediate results and you want to see the difference. And it's like, here we are, you know, and there's moments like that. And I had, I had this, this moment like that. And then God just like gave me this conversation with somebody in our church when I was wondering like, does anything, does it really matter? You know, like another sermon to write, does, is it really going to transform Uh, anybody's life? Is it really going to make a difference? And I had this conversation over dinner with a new friend. I was just getting to know him at the time. And he told me his story of how God had worked. And, and he said, you know, it wasn't actually, it it wasn't that, that the sermon, um, wasn't what you preached that day, but God met me that day because I showed up to worship and I can't, even, I can't even describe to you what happened, but I knew it was God. And he told me his story in his life and how his life had transformed in his faith and all of this wrestling. And, um, I said, and, and just this past week, I was thinking about that. And I, I said, Ramon, would you share your story? Because I think people would be encouraged and I think we'll relate to it. And so I want you to hear Ramon's story. I guess my faith journey began when when I gave my life to Christ at the age of 12 in summer camp. I was very involved in a lot of different, a lot of different types of ministries. But over time, my, my faith did start to waver, but I kept that very private, as, you know, as a lot of people do, I guess. But um, I began to struggle with you know, some negative experiences I had gone through in the church, as well as um, personal struggles that I was having. I, felt, I began to feel that, that my life wasn't where I thought it should be as a Christian. And I began to doubt a lot of things. My fiance at the time <laughs> eventually reasoned that um, it was, I was just going through a dark phase and that I had just been some, through some things and that it was something I was gonna come out of. I guess it all came to a head when I finally realized that I wasn't even sure I even believed in God anymore. Uh, I, I didn't even realize that I had become a full-blown <laughs> agnostic until I was a month from, from our marriage, from us um, um, getting married. 
I never really told her about what I was really, really, truly going through at that time. Um, so she was caught off guard when I finally revealed it to her um, right before we got married. That phase <laughs> turned out to be a 12-year phase <laughs> where I spent the first 12 years of our marriage uh, as, as an agnostic or agnostic atheist wavering back and forth. Over time, and it mainly started in about 2018, um, I began to find myself just very faintly drawn um, just to the Christian faith again, and found myself just randomly just looking up stuff, um, just reading things online. Um, and I, it was very, it was a big surprise to me because I thought I would never, ever, ever come back. Uh, and I would never be interested. And I was quite proud of that. <laughs> um, but I even found myself occasionally praying um, and just not knowing if God was even there listening. But during certain desperate times, I would reach out and say, look, if you're here and you really do exist, I could really use your help. I could, I could use your help here. I could, I, I need an answer, you know? And, and to my own surprise, <laughs> um, he would answer my prayers. But the only time I would feel at peace is when I was there at church, <laughs> sitting there listening to the worship um, and listening to the message from the pastor. Um, I had this idea of where I wanted my life to go. I had an idea of who I wanted to become, who I wanted to be. and. And I was still holding on to that. I knew enough about the Christian faith to know that Jesus never just asks for you just to believe. Um, he asks for you. <laughs> he asks for your life. And I, so I knew what coming back meant. And that was that was the real. And I come to the conclusion that, that was the real true reason that I that I was resisting. I didn't want to give up that part. I, I I was very excited about the idea of being at peace again, but I knew what that would cost. And so I, I took that moment in the car to finally just admit that to him and say, okay, Lord, I give up. It's been 12 years <laughs> and nothing has come of this and I, I am a complete wreck. And I will, I will trust you. I will trust you and I will let go and I, and I don't know where this is going to take me, and that's what scares me, but I will trust you, and I will go. I'll be whatever you need me to be. I have, I've had multiple people in my life, especially my wife, tell me over and over again that I'm not the same person, and that it's just night and day. Uh, the amount of peace that I experience, one of my favorite passages is Matthew 11, 28 through 30, when Jesus, you know, tells the crowd, you know, all who are weary, you know, come to me, all who are heavy laden, um, you know, take on my yoke, take on my burden, and, and you will find rest, you will find peace. And that, I really, really believe that. I know the truth of that, that, that there is true peace found in Jesus. I've also been able to talk to my son about Jesus and watch him be baptized. 
uh, just this last year. And that was a, an amazing experience for me. We have found a family here. And, and I feel that there's a lot, I have a lot further to go. <laughs> I have a, a lot that the Lord wants to do in my life and do, do to me um, and do through me. But I feel like this is the best place to be for me right now. Uh, all my whole family, and I'm just really glad that we're here. Let me really, yeah, let's give God uh, uh, thanks and praise for that. It's awesome. Um, and uh, there's so much more to his story that we, uh, we, we, we had a hard time choosing what to put in for this morning. I want to encourage you to go watch the full uh, story online um, there. But, you know, Ramon, a lot of different people and a lot of, there are a lot of parts to his story that, uh, that led him to that place and where God worked through different people. Um, and, and that would be my encouragement to us today that we would remember uh, who we are because who we are matters so much because it transforms lives because it literally changes and shapes eternity and, and changes our world. Um, and so I wanna point to three things that Paul reminds the Thessalonians and that we should remember as well. And I just wanna say this too, remembering is not a mental, not in the way we're talking about it, is not a mental exercise. Uh, remembering and recalling and retelling the story is part of it, but it's really, it's to re become members again. It's to reaffirm a covenant. It's to say, yes, Lord, I said yes to you, and I said yes to this, this gathering of people, this ecclesia and the mission that you want to do here, but, but I, I'm, I, want to, I want to reignite that. I want to remember that. I want to re, uh, recommit myself is what we're inviting all of us to do in this season, to recommit ourselves to the mission of Jesus because, as Paul says, first, we are a chosen people, a chosen people. We are a chosen people. Remember this, friends. You are a chosen people. Now, let me just be clear. This doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. It doesn't mean you're uh, more special, <laughs> that you're God's favorites, um, remembering uh, uh, are chosen in the, in the sense that, that Paul uses it, um, which he says in verse four, he says, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Um, this idea of chosenness is um, not speaking to salvation, it's speaking to vocation. It's not that they're God's favorite and that he chose them. It, it is uh, because just as he chose Abraham and just as he chose Moses and just as he chose the Israelites and just as he chose the early followers of Jesus, he has chosen us for a purpose. He's chosen you for a purpose to declare his glory, to be a part of the mission of leading people to know, follow, share Jesus. There is only one mission, friends, and Jesus gave it to us. It's derived from the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it's, it's the Great Commission. You know, if we put those two together, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Disciples, not country club members. <laughs> disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Um, we will never improve on Jesus' words. We can never, uh, but, but we can recapture the heart of what Jesus' lead is, is commissioning the first disciples to do in a way, and these are, these are our words of capturing that and, and honing it in so that we all understand it, so that we all remember it, so that we live by that, so we remind ourselves whatever we're doing, that we're doing this to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. That is what it is all about. Helping people come to know, follow, and share Jesus. So remember, friends, that you are a chosen people, that we are a chosen people for that purpose. And it does matter. Secondly, verse six, he says, you, be, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So how do they fulfill the mission? They fulfill it this way, by imitating Jesus. How do they know to Im how to imitate Jesus well, Paul's not afraid to say they imitated him. You see, what he's saying is that we, we need each other. We need each other. In order to become imitators, we need to see Jesus in someone else. And when we become imitators of Jesus, growing in our faith, what it, what it means most often is that we are denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him wherever he leads us. You see, following Jesus is the only way to live. But, but it's not so often times what this world makes it out to be. So often following Jesus and being a witness and being an imitator of Jesus means that even in the face of persecution and difficulty in life, that we persevere with hope because we have a faith that is deep and rooted in him and strong in him. And when we do that, we inspire faith in others. You see, we need each other. We need authentic Christian community. It is what grows our faith. The Holy Spirit in the context of community will grow your faith to be an imitator of Jesus and, and, and to understand the depth of his love in a way that changes your life. I see this happening in our season. I see this, I see, and it reminds me in many ways of what was the revival of the, the 1700, in the 1700s in England when Wesley, you know, the preaching and all of the, what Wesley was brilliant and the early Methodists were brilliant and what they did and why it lasted and why it changed the world is because they banded together. Because they came together and they encouraged one another and that's what I see God doing in our midst. 
I've said the last few weeks, and we've had uh, some groups already forming, and we're going to form more small groups in Lent. And so if you're new to us and you really want to find community, or maybe you've just kind of lapsed in your commitment to that, find a group, find a way to connect with others. We've got men's groups starting. Our women's ministry has been doing amazing things. And the guys, we got some catching up to do, but we're going to do it. Okay. And pastor Andy, I'm thankful for his leadership and the way that he's leading that. And, and so guys look for that, but the cards right there, if you'll just fill the connect card out and, and take it out to connection point, I just want to lift that up again. We'll help you get connected. And, and starting in Lent, we're going to launch into some new groups and encourage you to do that. But, but it's not just more activity for more activity's sake. What, what we need is Christian community. What we need is, is to sit in circles with people and study God's word, not just hear his word preached in rows on Sunday morning. That's when our faith grows. So remember that, that you are chosen people. Remember, Paul says, that you are imitators of Christ. And then remember that we are messengers of hope messengers of hope by our whole lives, by our testimony that they would declare the goodness of God in this way. He says in verse seven, and so you became a model. Listen, this is what happened. Word of mouth. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message, listen, rang out from you. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Just a handful of people that the Spirit of God, listen, these are not graduate school, theologically trained, you know, experts in biblical study. Like, these are baby Christians from all sorts of backgrounds. And so the minute you start to think that you don't have all the qualifications, remember the church in Thessalonica and what the Holy Spirit did. When those baby Christians were fully surrendered and understood their identity and became imitators of Jesus, the message of the gospel, friends, rang out. And they didn't need social media or media outlets or they, their lives transformed their city. God wants to do the same thing in our day, in our midst. So foundry the people, the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people called out for his purpose here in Northwest Houston. Let us be about this business of being imitators of Jesus and leading people to know, follow, and share him in everything that we do. Let us remember that we are called out. Let us remember that we are imitators. Let us remember that we are messengers of hope. And we Friends, we hold within us the good news. We know the good news and our world is dying to know. And so as we come to the table, as we celebrate communion today, uh, you know, this is a table of what? Of remembrance. That's what we say, right? It's a table of remembrance because Jesus called us. He, he, he gathered the disciples around the table at the last supper and said, as often as you eat of this meal, do it in remembrance of me. He wanted us to remember more than just the event that was going to take place. He wanted us to remember what he was commissioning us to be and to do in the world. And so this is a great opportunity for us to remember these things. That he took the bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of this, do it in remembrance of me. He took the cup. 
said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, do it in what? In remembrance of me. Lord, I pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts that as we gather, that they'd be transformed, that the bread and the juice would become in some way a vehicle, a means of your grace, of your presence. You know each of our hearts today. You know where we're coming from. And Lord, I pray that you would be among us speaking, transforming, convicting us of sin. And Lord, leading us to the life that you have called us out for. Fill us with your spirit that we would be one with you as we dine at this table, that we would be one with each other. Lord, we need community. We need each other, God. Remind us of that. And Lord, make us one in mission. Set our eyes on that mission that you have before us, that all would know you. So Lord, come, meet your people, fill us with your spirit, transform us in this time in Jesus' name. We're so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.